in the 80s, there was a thing that would happen on sitcoms where they had a catchphrase and they would say these same things over and over and people would laugh at when that catchphrase, like, are you having a laugh? And then everybody would know that was the time that they were making a joke. And I was thinking, Phil, that we could have our own catchphrase. Really? Right here on this show called The Greatest Song You've Never Heard Podcast. Is that the catchphrase? No. That's the name of the podcast. Let's Ride. Let's Ride? <laughs> <laughs> have you been following... Have you been following the Seahawks drama with Russell Wilson? Uh, it was not really much drama. He's gone. So, Russell Wilson is known for ending every single interview since day one with Go, Go Hawks. Hawks. And if you guys want to look for it, there's the most hysterical video ever. It's four hours of interviews in chronological order of him just saying, Go Hawks. Go that's Hawks. So, Go that's Hawks. so funny. Go Hawks. Merry Christmas. Go Hawks. Happy New Year, Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs> I, I know. Well, he... Which I actually liked. The week before he got traded to the Broncos, he stripped his social media of anything Seahawks. Oh, and my. now he started using hashtag Let's Ride, Ride because he plays for the Broncos. A, a week before he was traded? <laughs> yeah. So he knew all about this. Oh, yeah. He That's knew. son of a bitch. I know. So, I don't want him to get hurt, but I want the Broncos to suck now. And what? they're in the other conference. Big deal. But anyway, are we good? <laughs> We're good. Okay. Suddenly, suddenly the recording program we used was like, do you want to use Chris's headphones? The AirPod Bros? Like, why would it ask me that? In, so. the, in the middle. No. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Anyway, let's ride. <laughs> Thank you, Danger Russ. Yes. Yes. Welcome, Phil. How are you doing this week? Doing great. Hey, yeah. you know, I... There's a another podcast I'm affiliated with. And I'm not going to tell you the name because that would be uh, self-promotion. I'm not going to do that. Wifeswap.com? <clears throat> Close. Okay. WTF. <laughs> Wine Time Fridays. What, did you think that meant something else? No. Mm-hmm. Wine Time Fridays. We just had our 100th episode. Congratulations, Phil. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, we had what? This is our 50th episode of this The Greatest is? Song You Never Heard podcast. I did not know that because I, there's no numbers on it. I didn't even think of it until just now. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, congrats to us because yes. 50 is actually, that's Nifty. amazing. Yes. I, I actually thought we were around 30 <laughs> or 35. What's wrong? The other day I was talking with my wife and, I was, and I'm getting older, right? We all are. And I, I don't realize, I'm at that age that you don't realize you're getting old. You just think you're still like 30. And I'm looking at this article about David Beckham hmm. because he was being stalked. Uh, he had to actually, some fan was stalking him. And I said to my wife, Hey, do you want to feel really old? And she said, yeah. And I'm, and I'm 48. I said, how old do you think David Beckham is? Cause he's an old man, right? She goes, Oh yeah, he's getting old. She goes 55, 56. He's 44, 46, 46. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is what it is. It is. We're not getting any younger any minute. In fact, this podcast is not getting any younger either. We should uh, move forward before we're expired. Let's ride. And outdated. Let's ride. <laughs> oh, You got so, a song for us today, Phil? Uh, yeah, I do. And last, um, last week, you said, you teased. By the way, I think you have a package here. That's pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, you teased that you're going to bring a song from the 20s. Yes, at some point in the future. Uh, well, the future for me is today. Really? 1925. Oh, if this is the same song, Phil. <laughs> that oh would be pretty gosh. funny. So that would be really funny. Uh, this recording wasn't done in 1925. Okay. This was done, I'm not going to tell you when, but uh, it's a song you probably know. Okay. But you probably won't know the artist. So it'll be interesting. Uh, 
how this all works out. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. I had this in my back pocket for a while and I'm ready to pull the trigger on it. So should we just jump right in? Let's do it. Well, let me tell you, well, no chick mate could be the same as sweet George Brown. Crazy feet that dance and eat has sweet George Brown. Fellas sigh and even cry for sweet George Brown. I'll tell you just why. You know I don't lie. Oh, it's been said she knocks me dead in any old town. Since she came, why it's a shame how she brings them down. In Liverpool, she even dared to criticize the Beatles' hair. With their whole fan club standing there, I mean, sweet George Brown. All right. Say this group is absolutely marvelous for the piano, don't you think so? Not too commercial, boys, not too commercial. Well, when it comes to music, sweet Georgia knows her mind now. Don't buy clothes at fashion shows, but she still looks fine. Snap chicks cry, they wanna die when Georgia does a twist. I never would try to tell you just why. Use your imagination. There's a DJ crazy about her living in our hometown. Since she came, why it's a shame how she turns him down. Records that she can't get. Records they ain't sent him yet. Carolina may have died, but I don't have Georgia Brown. Sweet Georgia Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean Brown Sweet Georgia Brown Well, I I gotta start by saying I'm a little disappointed Okay There wasn't any whistle solo No, no You'd think there'd have to be a whistle solo in this song With the Globetrotters version they did that Which is great No, this is a clip Obviously a different artist but Yes uh, anything? Yes, uh, all kinds of things. I first was excited because I didn't know there were words to Sweet George Brown. I yeah. never would have imagined. And then I realized I'm not listening to the real words of Sweet George Brown because there's no way the song written in the 20s references the Beatles and a DJ because they didn't exist. DJs and the Beatles didn't exist in well, the Well, some the, this person, this artist, yes. actually changed. I assumed that. That, that verse. It yeah. used to say, fellas, that she, she can't get. Oh, you never sent me the lyrics. I did. Oh, well, yeah. that's where I went wrong here. Well, I'm glad you picked up that one. But fellas that can't, fellas that she can't get are fellas she can't get. Georgia claimed her. Georgia named her Sweet Georgia Brown. Change that in Liverpool. She had dared to criticize the Beatles' hair with their whole fan club standing there. Ah, meet Sweet Georgia Brown. So somebody was a Beatles fan here. Yes. Yeah. So there was that change. There it is. I just got it in my email. Okay. Um, I, I, so anyway, sorry. I got distracted. No, no, it's fine. Things. I liked this song a lot. I, like, I actually I really do. The end of it reminded me very much of Fat Elvis, <clears throat> um, which I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. So I, I just say that in love and respect to the king. Uh, but I, I really liked the ending of this. It's <laughs> a great way to... to... Payroll. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> sorry. It's a great way to wrap this song up because I don't know... 
the only other way they would have wrapped this song up is a fade, and I hate fades. Yeah. So that yeah, was yeah. a great way to wrap the song yep. up. Uh, the production on it was fantastic. I can tell it's like mid six, mid sixties ish mm. time frame from a couple different things. One of them being the jangly guitars. The mm. other one being there's a background vocal in there. Mm. It's very faint. Yeah. You can just tell from the production value. It's probably mid sixties, unless six, it was sixty two. Sixty two. Yeah. Good. Okay. Good call. Um, I liked the lyrics, actually, because I had never really known there was lyrics before, so I liked that part. And the guy's voice is actually a little too Broadway-ish for my liking, but I didn't hate it. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I'm I'm assuming this is a British singer as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know the name of the song? Yes. Sweet Georgia Brown. I'm going to name a few of the players. Okay. Meadowlark Lemon? No. (laughs) Curly Neal? Those are the only two I know. That's all I know, too. Uh, uh, Vocals. uh, We'll start with the piano player, because I like Roy Young on pianos. Okay. Uh, Let's see. On drums, Pete Best. Oh. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Two electric guitar players. One is uh, George Harrison. The other is John Lennon. Really? Not even joking. The bass player might be... Paul McCartney. It is. And the teen, the singer is Tony Sheridan. What? That's, Interesting. That's exactly right. So... Uh, tell me more about this song. Well, I'll tell you. Um, I don't know. I, I've done a lot of deep dives trying to learn about this uh, particular song. It's not known why the session took place. Really? Yeah, nobody knows that. Um, since Sheridan had already released the songs on his My Bonnie album. Right. Okay, so that was like the Beatles old, old, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Tony Sheridan and the Beatles did a lot of work together. Right. But uh, you, if you go back and listen to this, and I'm sure the listeners right now are not listening to me. They're going back to listen to this song. You will hear the Beatles and the, the, the harmony is all Beatles. Really? Once you know that, you can pick up this stuff. I'm so pleased. Fascinating. I'm so this pleased so cool. that you didn't know this. No. I, literally, Chris, probably 15 years ago, I, I heard this song and it said the Beatles. I'm like, what? But I could never, it, they didn't credit the Beatles. Paul McCartney got a credit. Okay. He got okay. an arranger's credit. <laughs> he got an arranger's credit. And okay. uh, I'll read this. Paul McCartney was given an arranger's credit for Sweet Georgia Brown in documentation by the Deutsch gramophone label fascinating yeah perhaps due to his backing vocals contribution also performing with the beatles on that day was pianist roy young who had been informally accompanying with the group at the star club fascinating this is so crazy this is like one of those gems that you're like how do i not like my mind is full of my my, my wife let me say that in english (laughs) my wife will tell you that my mind is a steel trap full of useless information. <laughs> this is one of those pieces of information that I should have in my brain somewhere. My, I, I have a mind that's a steel trap too. It's always closed. Nothing gets in. Okay. <laughs> the new recordings uh, may have been intended as a seven inch single th- right. so that they did this, but the tape of Swanee River was lost and oh has never been recovered. Gosh. So this was issued on an EP um, in West Germany. Wow. So yeah. It's uh, both recredited to Tony Sheridan and the Beat Brothers is what they said. Oh, so there was a really interesting thing that went on in the 60s, especially with the Beatles. George Harrison actually played more on other people's albums than nearly any of the other Beatles. But you'll never know it unless you knew the names that he used, because what ended up happening was it was kind of like the... um, 
what do you call that, the Hollywood studio system. So if you were on a label, the only way you could play for somebody on a different label is if your label gave written permission and there was always some kind of a contractual problem right. and money. So people just didn't play on other people's albums because they were on different record labels. Right. And George Harrison didn't care. So he'd play on people's stuff all the time. When he did that, he would always use somebody else's name. He would make up a name. So there's a bunch of these names, pseudonyms that. that he used to play on other people's stuff. And he played for Clapton and he played for a bunch of bands, all that kind of stuff. And there's actually a really cool album, if you look for it, called Songs the Beatles Gave Away, I think oh, is yeah, what it's called, yeah, or something yeah. along those lines. And it's all the songs. They would write songs and they were so big. So, so I mean, people don't understand today. Young people don't understand how big they were and how influential they were. A Beatles song given away was money in your pocket guaranteed oh yeah and so there's a bunch of those songs that exist so it's not surprising to me uh that they did this with with tony so george harrison might be my favorite Beatle. okay i i just he's such a great musician i know paul mccartney is too but george harrison man his writing and lyrics are i did they just really resonate Hmm. with me Hmm. and and you know i mean it's hard to all of them had a place yes including ringo Starr, which was the glue on this uh, one thing, it says, Sweet Georgia Brown was one of two songs recorded by the Beatles for singer Tony Sheridan on May 24th, 1962. May 24th, 62. Yep. The session took place at Studio uh, Ralstead in the Wansbach district of Hamburg, and the oh. producer was Bert Kempfert. So to put that in perspective for people, yeah. uh, the first time that the Beatles were on television in America, the first time anybody in America saw them was the Ed Sullivan show in 64. 64 right. Right. So two years prior. Exactly. I mean, that, but they were already gaining steam at this part. This is where things started really catching on. Um, so I was going to say he had recorded a number of songs with the Beatles the previous year, Tony Sheridan, including My Bonnie and The Saints. So, <laughs> but, but... This time, they taped two American standards, Swanee River and Sweet Georgia Brown. Sheridan didn't attend this session. His vocals were overdubbed two weeks later on June 7th. Wow. Yeah. So he didn't even get to feel the... That's crazy to think about. Isn't that something? Yeah. It's fan, fan, It's just so fascinating. There's a... The first ever... Have we talked about the Beatles recording? The first ever Beatles recording? I don't think so. I no. just learned this a couple of weeks ago. The first ever Beatles recording was done when they were all still in high school. They did an acetate. And so for those who are too young to understand what an acetate is, uh, records are on vinyl. And an acetate is a short-term piece of uh, plastic that wears out very, very easily. So what would happen is an acetate could be made really quickly from an album. And it was meant to be listened to like a a handful of times and thrown away. Right. Uh, It was a floppy thing. And so the Beatles recorded an album with uh, a gentleman who never ended up making it into the Beatles before they were the Beatles. So the earliest recording of the Beatles comes 10 years before. It's in the 50s sometime. This guy keeps this album all these years. Yeah. Then in the 80s, and and you never see this mentioned until like 86 in any of the Beatles biographies. He comes out in in the 80s and goes, hey, I've got the first ever recording of the Beatles. Uh, Who wants to buy it? (laughs) Smart dude. Yes. But well, at first he's like, I'm not going to sell it. Paul McCartney finds out about it. And Paul McCartney says, I, I'm not going to buy it from you. You're going to give it to me. <laughs> I love that. To which dude says, I don't think the so. hell I am. That's right. <laughs> they go to court and Paul McCartney wins and is awarded that guy never got a penny for that. Really? Isn't that lame? 
that that doesn't even sound legal. It, yeah, well, it's, I don't know what this, the statute they used was, but... Well, I will say this about the song. Yes. Sweet Georgia Brown was written in 1925 by music so... and band leader Ben Burney and Maceo Pinkard. May, oh, the, the, the <clears throat> great Maceo Pinkard. Yep, and lyrics by Kenneth Casey. So... It had lyrics early on, but we only know that one that you mentioned, uh, the one with, you know, yep. what uh, the Harlem Globe job yes. is doing their stuff, right? It was first recorded on March 19th that year in 1925 by the two and his Hotel Roosevelt Orchestra. So spent five weeks at the top of the charts, became an American standard, except this version, which is the greatest song you all never heard. Wow. Such a great one. <laughs> well done, Phil. That's a fantastic find right there. That's a great greatest song you've never heard. That's that's pretty fun. I this one I had a lot of worry about. Why? Because I thought you were gonna go, and especially Everybody when at the beginning that. you go. So I'm a little disappointed. I'm like, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> and, wow, this is a great and song. And your poker face. But as I started naming the the players in the band, I couldn't keep a straight face. I went, <laughs> Pete Best. And you're like. Really? It's like, oh, it gets better. That's so awesome. This is such a great, this is one of the greatest songs I've never heard. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah, really cool. Well, thank you for bringing that, Phil. That's what we do. It's, it is what we do. And where can people find more of what we do? Oh, gosh, on Facebook, we're the greatest song you never heard. Of course, on Twitter, uh, at G-S-Y-N-H. And of course, um, our website where you can get, leave comments. You can do that on all the other social, but... The greatest song you never heard.com. Yep, that's right. So uh, without any further ado, I don't want to spoil it because most people are going to want to go back and listen to the song. Yeah. So we're going to shut up and let them go back because I want to go back and listen to the song. Exactly. Uh, we'll see you next time on The Greatest Song You've Never Heard podcast. Yeah.